Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Astrology with Janet Hickox. Grab your cup of coffee or your tea, sit back, and let's chat about what is happening up in the stars above for the week ahead, the week leading us into the autumn equinox if you're in the northern hemisphere, and the spring equinox if you're joining us from down under, which I kind of doubt because it would be really early, early in the morning for you. <laughs> but just in case you are, we are talking about the equinox in general. So the the same aspects happen in the northern hemisphere as happen in the southern hemisphere. We just call the seasons differently. And of course, the seasons are different for you, right? Or the feel of the season is different for you. So sorry, I was not quite ready yet to go on air this morning. It's been one of those kind of days where you're like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know. I don't know who I am, where I am, what I'm doing. It's a little up in the air. And probably you all are feeling that in some way, a little disconcerted or a little discombobulated, kind of not quite in the body real. Actually, I am. I've had plenty of opportunities to be in the real body this morning. But my mind has been moving and quite rapidly through varying things this morning. And partly you could blame Mars in Gemini. You could blame the fact that Mercury in retrograde is in Libra, another sign of the mind. And said planet of communication is moving toward a conjunction with the sun, another part of his cycle that we are familiar with, right? In the midway point of the retrograde cycle, he conjuncts the sun and a midway point between the direct cycle halfway to the next retrograde, he also conjuncts the sun. And when we have that happening, that kind of supercharges up the mind, your communication, uh, but in the supercharging of your mind, you may be scattered or you may lose focus. And I think that's kind of where I've been this morning. It's like, oh, put the makeup away, realize, oh, shoot, I didn't put on my mascara, pull it back out, put the mascara on and then go, oh, gee, I really would like another cup of coffee go to make a cup of coffee and the cat's in the house and go, oh, I haven't seen you yet this morning, so let's feed you. And then I come back in here to sit down at my desk and go, wait a minute, I didn't make my coffee, right? <laughs> Raise your hand if you've had days like that. And of course, it's a Monday as well. So it is kind of one of those just, you know, I just have to go with the flow of it. Uh, I didn't sleep very well last night. I don't know what that was really about either because I was tired. I went to bed, I was tired, I did the great generator thing, right? I wore myself out, went to bed, then I, I actually had fallen asleep watching some TV show, woke up and went, it's time to go to bed. But by then, I was awake. So then I get up, and I hang out with my kitty for a while. And then finally, I go, God, you know, if you don't go to sleep now, you are going to be tired in the morning. So I came back to bed, Terry's passed out. I lay down, I go to sleep finally, but then I just kept waking up and moving around and waking up and moving around. Just one of those kind of nights. But it's good to be here this morning. It's good to see all of you. I see Pam and JLo and awesome Tanya and Kajella and Tom. Hello, Tom. We missed you on Friday. I hope you got to listen to the broadcast later uh, as I did ask Pia and Colin your question, and I do believe they answered it. Good morning, Barbara Doughton and Christine Buckingham. Good to see everybody and all of those of you who are in behind the scenes that I don't get to see and say hello to. Welcome to this morning's broadcast. So something hit me this morning as I, I was pulling the chart, because the first thing I do every time that I'm going to come on air is I look at my um, calendar and take a look ahead. What's going on for the week in this case or the weekend if it's on a Friday? And I went, I went, oh yeah, so it's an interesting week with a lot of different aspects playing out, but yet um, we have, you know, some, I, I want to say there are aspects that are of note. Let's, let's do it that way, because I don't want to predisposition everybody to think that these are going to be negative aspects, but I think when we start to really look at the equinox and break it down, we see that our season ahead is filled with a lot of need for adjusting, for cooperation, for sacrificing something, 
in order to be able to use the energy appropriately. So I actually uh, drew the chart out this morning, my little handwriting of the chart. Something happens when I get a pen in my hand and I just start to, um, you know, put this stuff down. So I did scan this in. It was one of the last things I did this morning. So I'll be able to show that to you. But I just write real quickly, look at the pattern in the chart. Besides the, the lines I drew in and the planets I circled. Do you remember? It was just a few months back. When we looked at the chart, everything was one-sided. It was hemispheric, right? We had a lot of planets on one side and maybe one, it usually was the North Node uh, or the Moon that would hold any kind of energy on the other side, right? So it was very lopsided. And now the one thing I noticed this morning is that this is a chart, not for today, but this is a chart of the equinox, that every house has a planet or point in it, mostly planets. The only one that really doesn't is Sagittarius, but it has the galactic center in it. So we have something going on in every house, in every sign, which is so different from what we had a few months back. As we entered into the spring equinox, for example, or when we entered into the summer solstice, at least northern hemisphere, summer and or solstice and equinox, it was a completely different story than what it is now. Now we've spread these planets out around the circle. And what that, that difference calls for is lots of different areas of your life that are lighting up and causing perhaps confusion, causing perhaps this disconcerted feeling, uh, causing perhaps some like dissonance. Mm, good word. I'm really learning to like that word. Dissonance where we're maybe not quite sure what direction to go, what to do, who to do it with, when to do it and all of that. So if you're feeling like that, there is a reason, right? That that this chart now has spread around where every, uh, not only that, as I was looking at the degrees of the signs, the planets seem to be, with the exception, a couple of exceptions between about 14 degrees and 26 degrees. So they're concentrated in a span of degrees that could even see them interacting with each other in an actual aspect pattern of sorts, right? So thus the lines I was drawing in here, because those are interlocking yods that I noted there. And then I saw that uh, there's the Saturn and Uranus um, square that is in the process of getting closer and closer. And we had in conjuncts and uh, semi sextiles. Remember back in I want to say it was March, maybe it was April, we talked about the semi-sextile because all of the outer planets, and they're still this way, were in a semi-sextile to one another. A semi-sextile is a 30-degree relationship, meaning they are in signs that are neighbors. And in that, there is a lot of need for cooperation. They don't necessarily see eye to eye. When you put a, you know, your signs right next to one another, um, starting even with Aries, Aries to Taurus, uh, they don't necessarily see eye to eye, right? Aries is a different quality, a different element and from Taurus. So in order for those two signs to communicate or to work together, there's a lot of adjusting, a lot of cooperation that has to happen. A lot of maybe compromise and being diplomatic in order to get the planets in those two signs to work together. And we can go on and on like that throughout. Yet, if you skip a sign, Aries and the, the sign um, next to it would be Taurus and then Gemini, we have Aries and Taurus or Aries and Gemini that have some affinity for one another, fire and air, right? Mutable and cardinal, they kind of get along. So when we have these different configurations with planets going on, there's potential, but no clear direction. And that might be something that we might, we're feeling, right? That there's no real clear direction of what to do, where to go, who to be, what do I want, um, what's coming next, right? Is the other shoe going to drop? All those kinds of questions can keep us doubting ourselves, keep us in a, an energy of that dissonance, right? So tell me a little bit more about how everybody else is doing this morning. I'm out of focus. Jella, is that true? 
Did I have a fingerprint on my on my cam my camera? Now it's going to take a minute to come back in. Does that make it better? Um, or is it something going? No, I have full internet, so I'm good there. So hopefully it's just something temporary or maybe something on your end. Or maybe I put my thumb over my camera lens. Who knows? Uh, so <laughs> hello, Requiem for a Tuesday. Kajela, tell me if I'm back into focus for you or what. I, I don't know what else I could do. Uh, so today I want to talk a little bit about, you know, this planetary dance where these planets are all, you know, splayed out around the wheel uh, and what that looks like for uh, the spring or the uh, autumn equinox, which is literally on Thursday at 6.04 p.m. West Coast time, 9.04 p.m. East Coast time. And what that is characterized by is when the sun moves to zero degrees of Libra that sets the uh, equinox time. And at that point in time, we have equal amounts of daylight and uh, darkness in the Northern hemisphere. And we, and same thing in the Southern hemisphere, they'll have the same thing. And except the difference is in the Southern hemisphere, their days will begin to get longer. In the Northern hemisphere, our days will begin to get shorter we enter into a period of time of more introspection and more internalized work where they enter into a more blossoming outward focused time of the year. So it affects us differently, but indeed what we have is this energy of a change, a shift coming. Now in human design, it's pretty obvious when we get, at least to us as uh, practitioners, it's pretty obvious when we get to a, an equinox or a solstice because we have a, a sort of uh, combination of gates that occurs every equinox or every solstice that takes us into a new quarter of the year. And that is always characterized by one of the gates on the identity center, the yellow diamond, or it might be a white diamond in your own personal chart that is called the center for love and direction. And so the turning of the seasons always occur at the gates of love. And it always opens an opportunity then for us to engage in the world in a more loving way based on what those gates are. So the gateways that, that are the equinox for fall are the gate 46, where the sun would be in the gate of embodiment and the love of the body, the love of being in this physical realm, and the earth at the gate 25, the love of spirit, right? So you get this feeling that this time of the year is a time to really become the embodied spiritual expression of your soul, right? The embodied spiritual expression of, maybe we could even call it your true self, right? Your true self, your God self. So, Every year when we get to this period of time, one thing is we're moving more internal, at least in the Northern Hemisphere. And we are also looking at how much more can we express our body divinity in the world, right? So that might be a need for us to come inside for a little bit. That might be a time for us to change directions a little bit. And when we are looking at this kind of change, it creates that dissonance, that foggy feeling that I don't know what to do. The uh, things are not quite this way and they're not quite that way. So it makes us feel like we're torn a little bit. And that's kind of what this seasonal portal way, gateway portal is bringing us to, right? This, this sense of things changing, but not necessarily sure where we are going yet. So nothing really wrong with that, but we interpret it, right? We interpret it as something's not right, or I feel like I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing, or yeah, any number of ways. You guys let me know, you know, in the chat, how are you feeling this energy? What are you feeling about it? And how's it impacting you? Uh, good morning, Michelle. It's good to see you. JLo says, I changed my settings on quality as it does the lowest. My PC is only a year and a half old, so the graphics need to be higher. Uh, let's see, maybe in my settings, do I have my camera resolution set? I do. I have it set at anything but high def. Maybe that helps. Tell me. <laughs> uh, let's see. 
Uh, thanks, JLo, for that. Michelle, good morning. Takes me longer to get home from school drop off now. I'm definitely feeling all those things you mentioned. Where am I going? What's going to happen? Where's this going? Indeed, right? We've been really upset off of our balance. But now one thing I do know is that when we are not pushed a little by something uh, or by circumstances or by our own inner engine that's telling us something needs to change, then we are bound to stay in our comfort zones. And we are not allowed to do that at this moment in time, right? This isn't a time for us to do that. This is our jumping in both feet carefully without, um, we, we want to jump, but we want to jump appropriately into whatever it is that we're doing in our lives. Marcy, good morning to you. Requiem says, I can feel a shift starting. Indeed, that is a part of what is happening for us. And September is quieter in that, right? We've had not a lot of big, you know, loud transit type things. <clears throat> in fact, that's given me more time to, you know, talk about other things during this month so far. But that isn't true for next month and beyond, right? So this was a month for us to really get some clarity around what we wanted, what direction we were going to go, what's new, what uh, feels good to us, what direction did we feel like we really wanted to move in, and to do it despite our fears, right? Starting next week, it'll be 27th, so next Tuesday, we begin the uh, eight-week uh, process of the sun moving through all the gates of the spleen center. So all of our fears, our, our paralysis points, our comfort zones, our needs to move away from something or move into something are triggered as we start to move into this last week of September or next week as we move into the last week of September. So while it's quiet on the outer expression, perhaps, or on the chaotic expression, depending on your, your life and your chart, there's a distinct need for us to be considering, where are we going? Right? What do I want to do? Am I really expressing the fullness of who I am? So those questions. Now we add to that, on the uh, equinox day, in fact, it's already happened, it's happening, we have seven planets and dwarf planets uh, in retrograde. That's a lot of planets in retrograde. Now juxtapose that against the uh, February, March and April, where we had no planets retrograde, right? So we had go, 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 go energy in those first couple of months of the year. And now we have slow it down, slow it down, internalize, get inside yourself. You know, what's what's your soul talking to you about energy for the rest of pretty much uh, the rest of this month and for most of October. So when we start to see planets, you know, with that internalized focus, wherever it is that you need to make changes on the inner realm, those are the things that are going to start popping up in your outer realm, right? Because inner as within, so without, as above, so below, you know, those things that we, you know, take as truths, but I don't know that we ever really think about is that, you know, something that really is activated in our own lives. So seven dwarf planets and planets in retrograde, and I call them dwarf planets only because that's the astronomical designation of uh, planets like Eris or Pluto, but Ceres even. Um, but I don't expect that they have less impact on us because they're dwarf planets. So I kind of want to throw them all into the same ring together. So we have Pluto in retrograde. We have Saturn in retrograde, Neptune in retrograde, Jupiter in retrograde, Chiron in retrograde, Eris in retrograde, Uranus in retrograde, and Mercury in retrograde. And next month we add Mars to that, but Mercury will be out of retrograde before Mars is. So uh, before Mars goes into retrograde. So when you think about it, we have all of the outer planets. So all of the collective planets, the planets that affect us on the bigger picture, they're all in retrograde. We have the, in, the uh, transpersonal planets, the ones that are kind of the bridge, Saturn and Jupiter, the bridge between. They're really um, hitting our society, right? The society level. And then the inner planets, we only have Mercury retrograde. So 
what that kind of adds up to is bigger changes going on in the outer world, things beyond our control and our need then to change in response to the ever-changing uh, landscape of the outer world or of the collective unconscious or of the, the culture or society that you are a part of. So in sometimes that that's even more uncomfortable than our own inner changes that need to take place because in some ways we're being dragged along with changes that we didn't really sign up for, right? That we didn't, we're not really like going, yes, I want that change, right? Um, we, we are being drugged along with that change in the world. So some people are okay with that, but then something else is going to come along that they don't like, right? That that doesn't feel comfortable to them, but they're in the same boat, right? Everybody is having to be impacted by these changes that are beyond our control. Now, if, when the inner planets are the ones that are retrograde, these are things that we are personally having to work with. What we're doing now, though, is personally almost having to respond to what is showing up in the outer world. And that's sometimes less comfortable for us, right? Because that outer world is always changing. Is it going to stay that way? Is it going to change tomorrow? And I make this decision to do this and now it's over here again, right? It makes it uncomfortable. So the best thing that we can do then is to come inside, right? Inside is where the, the weather's fine. <laughs> inside is where your intuition and or your in uh, human design, we would call it your inner authority, whether it's emotional, sacral, uh, splenic, uh, identity, uh, G center or identity center uh, is called self uh, awareness or self authority, self projected authority or ego authority for some manifestors, even some projectors have that authority. You've got to know who you are and how it is that you're meant to make decisions so that you move in the right steps. Okay. That's the big deal. Maggie Tara, hello to you. She says, taking on more responsibility, asked to run for a political office. And I would say that if you're being asked to step into a leadership role such as that, then you really need to look and see, is that something that you desire? Is that something you want, right? Is that, is that congruent to who you are at soul level? Is that the path through which you can help the most number of people? And it may very well be. Uh, let's see, Michelle, interesting how the fear gates coincide with Halloween season. I always thought that, um, Michelle, exactly. Uh, JLo, OMG, I just had a Christmas song pop up when you said go inside. <laughs> like the weather outside is frightful, but inside it's so delightful. <laughs> uh, that's funny. I don't know if that's the song you were singing, but that's what came up as soon as I read that from you, uh, JLo. Uh, so anyway, so we have those seven planets in retrograde, dragging us inward, pulling us back inside. And then we have planets in every sign and every house, even Sagittarius, which is the only one that is lean uh, in terms of being a planet, but a very important point in our uh, astrological landscape is the galactic center. And that is in uh, the sign of Sagittarius. So it's a little iffy with that one there. So we might, we could say that, you know, there is one house that's open, right? In human design, when you have a, um, uh, a body graph that's full, except one, that becomes the place where you can feel your way through uh, the collective, right? Where you are taking in the energy of those around us. Right now, it's hard for us to take in much energy from around us, it makes it hard, we're taking in energy from all around us, let's put it that way, and it makes it hard for us to see our truth in it all, right, so there's that, and it was that song, <laughs> that's funny, that's funny, our weather is not frightful, it's actually a beautiful day, I think we're headed for the upper 60s, and sunshine, you can't beat September in the Pacific Northwest unless it's raining, and we haven't had much rain, so it's been cross our fingers. I need it to be nice through October 2nd. That is the day my daughter is getting married outdoors, I might add. And uh, I looked ahead at the weather. It looks like it's low 60s and possible rain. We are just putting that intention out there that it's going to be a beautiful day. And we're going to be just fine outdoors. 
And uh, that's just how it is going to be, right? That is just the way it will be. Okay, let's break down the chart a little bit because there are some interesting things. When we go into a season and we do a chart for the season, it's very much like what I do for each one of you who buys a solar return chart, uh, a solar return reading, right? We're looking at a snapshot in time and then we are reading the signs, if you will, of what comes ahead based on where the planets are at the moment of the sun's returning to your degree of birth. And when we do that with the equinoxes or the solstices, we get a glimpse then into what the next three months might bring, right? Because what we're seeing is the stage being set, right? The stage is set and now the play moves on. It's like when you are, let's say we're doing a play, right? We're living in a big play <clears throat> and we change acts, right? So the act, act three, uh, is about to begin, right? The, the third quarter of the year is about to begin or the, the season that we think of as the third quarter. And what the uh, characters are doing in that moment pretty much predicts how that particular act is going to unveil itself, right? What's going to happen? Now, it doesn't give us exacts, right? It's not exact, right? Um, but it does give us this idea of how are things going to progress up until the time we get to the winter solstice, at which time we can draw another chart for the solstice and we can look ahead through winter then. Okay. So does that make sense to everybody? Let me know if you're confused about that. Come all. Oh my gosh. It's great to see you out there. I haven't seen you in a long time. So welcome back. Uh, so when we look then at the snapshot of the chart, and I'm actually going to share my screen here in a minute with you to show it to you. It at first blush looked like chaos to me. And indeed, I can feel, I can sense that chaos. So let me see. I might first have to open up something here on my desktop. And then I can share my screen with everybody. And share screen. And is it a window? Yes. Okay. So now what you're seeing is my mine already written out. So I scanned this. So hopefully everybody is seeing that. Let me know if you're not. Um, but when we are looking at this chart, the first thing I noticed was look at everything is filled in in some way. And I've even tamed down the number of planets or points that I'm using to include. Oops, how did I do that? Um, Okay. Hmm. I just love it when Mercury is retrograde. Doodah. I clicked on something and it changed the screen. So here we go. Coming back. Of course, it's populating everything except what I want to share. There we go. Okay, I'm not touching anything. Okay, now the mess, right? Here's this mess. Now, the first thing that caught my eye is I need to look and see where is the solstice sun. And that would be at zero degrees of Libra, carefully moving my pointer over here, because this is where zero degrees of Libra is. This is the representation of the solstice. And what is going on on the solstice day? No! Oh my gosh, I am going to freak out here. Okay. We're not doing anything now. No, it automatic is it automatically changing? Go back. Sorry, I'm not going to show my screen because it's just driving me crazy. And it keeps shifting to all of the other charts I happen to have on my desktop. So without clearing my desktop off right now, I can't I can't do it. So I have it in my hand. We can look at it this way. Okay. 
So the first thing that I noticed is right here, Mercury in retrograde is conjunct the sun. That's the representation of the symbol for conjunction. And they are exact zero degrees, uh, zero, zero for the sun and zero degrees 30 for Mercury retrograde. So that means for the entire season, even if Mercury goes off retrograde, right? We are stuck with, or not stuck, we have the energy of the sun conjunct Mercury. To, I think about that, and that is a stream of information coming up to us from our internal self, our soul, our intuition, our, our inner mind, if you will. So that can get tiresome. And we may have to do a lot of meditative type things to keep um, to keep ourselves calm, cool, and collected in the face of information that's coming up. But the information coming up, it is, right? Uh, Mercury in a conjunction to the sun gives a lot of focus to the mind and to communication. So we are internalized since Mercury is retrograde. So that means to me a lot of the inner voice being heard, a lot of the inner voice, the inner intuition. Uh, and we talked a lot about intuition on Friday with uh, Pia and Cullen. So it's out there already that we understand that somehow this season going into it, we are going to have to depend a lot on uh, a skill that that some of us are better at than others, right? Our, our outer world has been cold, pulling us and tugging us for a long time, calling us out, if you will, to use the mind, right? Uh, to be logical, to recognize patterns, to, to follow the facts. But as we've seen throughout the last couple of years where the news, we can't even trust the news anymore and what, you know, facts are coming up. What is a fact, right? Is it somebody else's truth? So the only real truth comes from our ability to go within and to listen to our inner voice, right? The outer world can lead us away from that, but we are looking at a season where our inner voice becomes very, very important to us, right? Tom, take that off. No, nine, no 96 days till Christmas. <laughs> we don't want to know that yet. But everywhere I go, Christmas trees are up. You go to you go to Costco, you go to Target, you go to Fred Meyer. They have all this Christmas stuff out, and we haven't even gotten to Halloween yet. Yes, they do have Halloween costumes. Yes, they do have Halloween candy. But do you remember me telling you back in July that they opened up our Spirit Halloween store here? <laughs> really? It's crazy. So I'm not participating in Christmas until it's closer to Christmas. Okay. Anyway. Um, all right, JLo, thank you. I will do that later. Post, uh, I'll post this chart on Facebook so everybody can see it. Now, so Mercury conjunct the sun. Lots of information coming at us, but the need is for us to filter that through our inner selves, right? Through our inner voice, through our inner intuition, through our inner knowing, not being not being so certain of that outer world and what people are saying or what's happening out there. Now, when I also looked at that, the um, Mercury sun conjunction is also relatively close to an opposition to Jupiter. Jupiter will be at four degrees, 12 minutes of Aries. So Libra and uh, Aries are opposing signs. We often call that axis, the love and war axis. It is the axis between who I am, the I am house, uh, or I am Aries experience versus the we are Libra experience. So we can see that there's two dynamics kind of pulling in opposite directions. Jupiter's path of growth and expansion is taking us on a journey of standing on our own two feet, letting go of dependence and codependence in favor of interdependence, right? Not even independence, but interdependence. How can we all work together to create the world that we live in? Because we're doing it anyway, but we're just not conscious of what we're creating. So how can we bring more consciousness to the world that we are creating, to the reality that we are creating on an everyday basis, right? So there's that. Then as well, when I looked at this, I saw the, the other thing that jumped out to me were these interlocking yods. So you see the yods. So a yod 
is also called a finger of God. It is an, a configuration more than just an aspect. An aspect would be the inconjunct in this case between Saturn and the black moon Lilith. But then when you have the black moon Lilith also in a sextile to Venus and then Venus in an inconjunct to Saturn, it forms a yod, right? A configuration. It is a configuration that sometimes looks like a hose, like an arrowhead pointing us in this direction, right? At the point. So what are we having to release, right? The release point is up at Saturn. And if we look at the base first, the base becomes a stability point and the base is between the black moon Lilith and Venus. Now the black moon Lilith is interesting here because again, she's She's not a body in this particular chart. We do have an asteroid called the Black Moon uh, or Lilith, I think it is. But this is an actual mathematical point, uh, the apogee of the moon. And the apogee is um, a point where there's this shadow where we're just not seeing ourselves clearly. And in the shadow, of course, there's fear. And so Black Moon Lilith is sometimes about the parts of ourselves that we're afraid to bring up and show to the world. So we have this apogee or black moon Lilith in the sign of cancer, whose fear is kind of two pronged, the fear of rejection, but also the fear of abandonment. They kind of go hand in hand. Like if you reject who I am or what I'm doing or what I love or my, my very beingness, then you are also going to be triggered by perhaps abandonment. They're going to leave me, right? They're going to not listen to me. They're not going to pay attention to me. So we have that, those interlocking fears of the black moon Lilith in cancer. And this is, you know, you also have your own personal black moon Lilith. So I'm really talking about the greater um, collective energy and the black moon Lilith in cancer is also about the nurturing caretaking of familial, traditional aspects of who we are, our foundation, right? What makes us safe and secure? What makes us feel like we belong? So our belongingness is kind of being assaulted even in this. But she is in a good aspect with Venus. Venus represents our value, our self-worth and our financial system as well. But I'm looking at this more because Venus is in Virgo, the black moon in Cancer, and they are sextile one another. It's a sextile that makes the basis of the yod. That is an uh, aspect pattern where the energies are like-minded, right? They can get along. They may not see do things exactly the same way, but there's enough commonality between them that they get along. So Venus in Virgo calling us to the practical expression of our self-worth, of who we are, taking the steps, ever practical, right? She's very much the embody part of this game where we have the Black Moon Lilith in the nurturing, taking care of aspect. Now, that's not to say that we're here to nurture everybody else and not ourselves, right? Nurturing goes both ways and valuing goes both ways. But how can you value others if you don't really value yourself, right? Good question, right? So we have the idea of valuing ourselves, caring for ourselves, caring for others, valuing others, valuing the whole of the experience. But that nozzle point, this tip is pointed up here at Saturn. Is that in the picture? Right here at Saturn. And Saturn is the planet of discipline and form and structure and he is in the sign of Aquarius, orienting us to a new world, orienting us to a new way of being, orienting us to restructure our foundation to be more inclusive, right? To be more inclusive, to see ourselves and our commonalities and uh, value those as well as valuing our differences, right? How are we different? How are we the same? Right. Um, so some of you got invitations this weekend to do the manifesting blueprint with me. And one of the first things that we look at in one of those sessions is how are you structured to look at the world? Are you looking at the world through similarity? I'm like this. I like that. Or are you structured to look at the world through contrast? I'm not like that. I don't want that. I don't like that. Right. So we are always 
it doesn't mean that the other one isn't valuable. It just means that some of us are, are, are sort of predisposed to look at differences while some of us are predisposed to look at similarities. Both are necessary, right? So here we get this idea with Saturn to move into the future. We have to have this mutual understanding of value and worth and to let go of the old, I'm more valuable because I'm a white male uh, versus you as a black male or a black woman or a woman more less valuable than a man uh, and all the different biases that we have, right? I'm better because I'm wealthy and you're not as good because you're not wealthy. Those kinds of things got to go. So we are being asked to sacrifice something in a yod. What are we going to sacrifice in order to move forward? Right? Those old beliefs, those old patterns. That's part of that. Then we have another yod, which I almost missed. We have another yod that interacts here. And this is all just in one chart of the space. The, of the autumn equinox, right? <laughs> so it's not a pattern that goes away tomorrow or the day after the equinox, right? Of course, the pattern itself will move on, but we're now entering into the new act of this play called Life on Planet Earth. And these are the things that we're going to be working through in this next period of time, these next three months. So forming the base in this other yacht is the planet Neptune and the planet Pluto. And the midheaven of this chart, that the MC just means the midheaven of this chart, but this chart is a generalized chart. It isn't a person, so, you know, this isn't what I'm looking at, but Pluto, Pluto and Neptune. And their point comes down here to the moon, right? To the moon and the planet Ceres, who are in a conjunction. Now, that one fills me a little bit with some trepidation because Ceres wrecked is uh, the representation of our food system. She represents abundance. She represents how we, uh, how we are fed, how uh, we grow our food, how we uh, harvest our food, how we um, feed the population based on the amounts of food that are available. Conjunct the moon at the point of the yacht, it makes me think there's going to be a lot of issues around that. The issue may very well be with sun, mercury in conjunction and mercury being retrograde. How do we get the food to where it needs to go, right? We've just narrowly averted a rail strike. Did you guys know that? On Friday, the White House and the uh, unions and the uh, upper management of the uh, Burlington Northern Santa Fe and the Union Pacific Railways came to an agreement, narrowly avoiding a strike. I only know this because my nephew is a conductor, a uh, engineer for Burlington Northern Santa Fe. And they were looking at going on strike, which would have paralyzed the entire system of getting fuel and things like chlorine transits by um, rail and chlorine to, you know, disinfect your water, your drinking water and things like that. So we narrowly averted that narrowly, like at the last second, right? The strike was due to go on Friday and Thursday night or midnight, Friday morning, boom, there was an agreement. Phew, right? Can you imagine? I mean, I just can't. But now there's still this little bit of danger going on here with this. And in the moon and the point of this is in Leo. And Leo tends to be, you know, very visible. There's some very visible problems here. Is it crop failures? Is it the weather? Is it lack of water? Is it lack of uh, sustainable farming practices? But a lot of that comes to our attention in this particular quarter of the year. And the base for that is with Neptune and Pluto. So the stability point is when we empower ourselves to live by more higher spiritual concepts, right? Where we are, listen, you know what? We know, we know that we are doing things that are unsustainable when it comes to growing food, right? We have genetically modified seeds out there. Is that sustainable? Well, I don't know. I don't know for sure, but is that a good idea? I don't ever think it's a good idea. We are out there poisoning the, the earth by spraying pesticides. Pesticide spraying gives us more yield in the crops. I get it, but there must be a better way, right? Without poisoning things. 
poisoning the animals that eat from the, you know, the hierarchy of uh, animals and eating. And, and we know this. We know this, right? Corporations that put out these poisons, they know this. They know that, that there's this possibility that we're damaging the earth, that we are, you know, doing things that aren't correct, uh, are not sustainable, but they do it anyway because of money, because of the dollar. And a lot of these things are coming home to roost. So I think that yacht is really about us walking our talk, right? Really, if we want to become empowered and we want to become sustainable and we want to become more spiritually wise and spiritually advanced in um, consciously evolving our evolving our consciousness consciously, uh, that we need to really come to embody the things that we know, right? The things that we know. And I don't know what all those answers are, but we're not going to get there by doing the same things over and over and over again, expecting a new result. I think there's a definition called insanity for that one. So, is at the gate 61. It's the middle gate of the uh, head center in your human design in the lowest expression. That's psychosis. We have to come out of our, our collective psychosis, if you will, our collective forgetting or our collective not being in alignment with what we know is true, what we know is right, what we know is sustainable. And we're going to pay the price here uh, if we don't make some key changes, okay? So paying the price in our food system, in the delivery of goods and services, uh, and making it an emotional season. Now, the high side is that we do make some changes, right? That we do recognize before we fall off the edge that we have to make some changes. And like the strike being narrowly averted on Friday, before, you know, that started to impact the con this country. I don't know how that impacted other countries, but I'm sure getting, you know, things from one coast of the U.S. to the other to be shipped off to Europe, perhaps, could have been impacted. So there's this feeling like we're going to struggle, we're going to struggle, but then maybe at the last hour, in the last minute, we might be able to see the light and make the changes. So there's that. And then on top of that, this line here, represents the at this point it's saturn down here it's uranus and they are lined up in that square aspect which then again is exact not exact in october like 0.3 of a degree away from exact really i mean to me that's exact and very much activating and activated during this particular season but this is the last iteration of this one right for a while i think 45 years or something like that before we have to experience it again <sighs> so a lot of the changes that began in the uh january of 2021 end of 2020 and carried on through different times that saturn and uranus have come together are finding its ending at this period of time and uh, it'll be interesting to see what that's all about. We have Saturn again in Aquarius and uh, Uranus is in Taurus. So we have the banking and money, the economy with Taurus. And literally in Aquarius, Saturn is pressing us on innovation and technology and where does what the future holds, right? So we have the future of the economy, perhaps. We have the future of money. Uh, if you guys are cryptocurrency nerds like I am, you know that we're about to reach something called the merge. The merge is when uh, Ethereum moves into, and Ethereum is a cryptocurrency coin. It moves into a more stable pattern where it's not as driven by electricity so there, that its mining is more sustainable. So that'll be interesting. I think that opens up a whole new world of cryptocurrency. That could be a part of this square, this tension between how do we get to the future? And by the way, that whole blockchain idea is that it's secure, right? So there have been people paid millions of dollars to try to hack into the blockchain patterns in different coins, and they've been unable to do it so far. So that holds promise 
for us for identity theft and for uh, just, you know, people stealing each other's identities all the way uh, from, you know, just hacking into your computer uh, or your phone to, you know, big corporations being hacked by hackers. So it holds a lot of promise for our future. So even though a square is tension, the tension leads us to do something because it's more uncomfortable not to do something, right? So we take steps, we move forward. Now, another uh, aspect, of course, I'm always looking at the nodes, where are they? And the nodes are always in an opposition to one another. So if the north node is at 14 degrees, of, of uh, Taurus, then the south node is at 14 degrees of its opposite sign in Scorpio. So we have that, that's always there. That's not unique, right? Whatever sign they're in is there. But what is unique is that there's another inconjunct, which is a half of a yacht, if you will, between Chiron at 14 degrees of Aries and uh, the south node at uh, 14 degrees of Scorpio. And it's almost saying to us, if you can't let go of the baggage of the past, you're not going to be able to move forward, right? It, it's, it's almost loud, almost in my ears, right? You got to let go of the baggage of the past. And the baggage might be grievances, it could be unforgiveness, it could be experiences, it could be things, it could be relationships, it could be jobs, it could be ways of life, it could be, you know, on and on. What are we holding on to, in other words, that's no longer working? And in order to move through a healing experience, we have to let them go, right? Aries is a sign of bold forward motion. The forward motion here is about creating interdependency, sustainability, and new ideas, right? New healing techniques, etc. So there's this, you know, between the, the South Node and Chiron, there's this little like tug of war going on. But between Chiron and the North Node, which are in, of course, Aries and Taurus, we have also some scritchiness, right? That is a semi-sextile, 30 degrees. They don't get each other, right? They're next door neighbors. In order to be able to hold hands, they both have to reach across the aisle and grasp grasp one another's hands, right? In order to do that cooperation, right? So cooperation between Aries and it's wanting to move into new territory and create something new versus the North Node in Taurus. That's really teaching us about our comfort zones, right? Holding on to stability, holding on to that, uh, that, that way of life or that uh, fascination we have with something that anchors us in the old, so we are uh, kind of looking at how do we move forward in this? But then lastly, as we look at this, what time do I have here? We have seven minutes. Okay, good. Uh, lastly, as I looked at this chart, I went, wow, this is almost a mirror of the outer planets. And remember how I said they were all in um, 30 degree relationships to one another which means also some of them are in 60 degree relationships with one another, right? So when you look at this, say, for example, Saturn, uh, and there's, you know, five degrees between Saturn and Chiron, but that would be a 60 degree relationship versus Saturn and Neptune here, which would be in a 30 degree. So while these two need to cooperate, these two get one another, right? These two get it, and they work well together. So we have this you know, hopscotching of uh, planets that are getting along or working together, cooperating, and others that are going, uh-uh, ain't playing your game. Nope, not playing, not playing, not playing. And having to work through how is it that we can meet in the middle somewhere? How can we, you know, form some kind of an agreement, even if either side doesn't get everything exactly the way they wanted it? Compromise, right? without compromising oneself, but compromise. How can we work together and come to the middle ground? So with a lot of the planets in that kind of pattern, it seems to me that we might have to do a lot of work with each other through these next few months, trying to find a way, a commonality, some thread that holds us together and that allows us to cooperate, right? That allows us to, to um, work in a, a more cooperative atmosphere, right? Letting go sometimes of our sacred cows in order to be able to see how we can move forward. So that's a lot. That's a lot in one equinox. <laughs> 
one day a lot of energy but i want to remind you of something very basic here the equinoxes and the solstices always begin in the gates of love so the gates of love um, are beginning on the 21st um, the, uh, the actual equinox is on the 22nd, but on the 21st, we shift to the sun at gate 46, which is a gate. These are on the identity center, which is that diamond that's either yellow or white in your chart. And the identity center gate 46 is all about being embodied, being in your body, being here on the earth. Not la 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 and trying to escape the earth and go ascend to some, you know, other place. Nope. You're on the planet. Put your feet in your body. Put your feet that are on your body, in your body, on the ground, right? Be in your body. Be the embodiment of the other side, the earth, which is the embodiment of spirit. So the gate 25, where the earth is, is called the gate of spirit, right? The gate of spirit or the gate of the love of spirit. So recognizing at this time that you are a spirit housed in the physical body right? You are both. You are not either or, and either or isn't better than the other. You're both, and you need both, right? You are both. You came here to be both. So why are we trying to escape all the time, right? Why are we trying to escape? You're here to be both. Now, interestingly enough, Jupiter on the 25th of September, so Sunday at the new moon, right? Is that true? Yes. At the new moon, which is this coming Sunday, um, yeah, someday for almost all of us, um, we have the idea of Jupiter now at the 25. So Jupiter at the 25 is really going to be growing and expanding this concept of being an embodied spirit, right? The idea of being love uh, in spirit, right? Being the spirit of love, perhaps. So that we haven't had Jupiter there in 12 years. So this is a first time kind of aspect, although we had it briefly as Jupiter went forward across this gate back in May or uh, April. And now we have it again for a little bit longer period of time, teaching us all about what it is to be in the gate 25. In uh, the gene keys, the gene key 25's lowest expression is constriction right? The squeeze play where we're trying to squeeze ourselves or we're being squeezed or limited by um, a viewpoint that is only physical, right? Or only spiritual, but we need to embrace both, right? So we'll, we'll take more time looking at the Jupiter at 25 when we get to Friday's uh, broadcast. Friday, Mercury retrograde moves backward into Virgo. So we'll change the energy up just the day after the equinox, right? So they come together at zero degrees of Libra. The next day, Mercury transits backward into Virgo. So now we're getting, okay, the signal of what was possible. And now we have to do the practical expression of whatever it is that we wanted to do. So now we're building the bridge. We're building the bridge. That's a good way to look at that. Uh, okay, so anything else going on? Uh, I learned something grand lately. Call back all your bodies when you wake and before bedtime in unity and harmony. I love that. That's great, Tom. I call back all my bodies to me in unity and harmony. Amen. That's it. Awesome. I like that. JLo, hmm, 25.6 is my D design IC. Oh, shoot, in three degrees. I'm not sure what you mean by that, but that's cool. Uh, that means, so your, uh, your IC, so that's your, your family, that's the dividing line. So that's where your genetic lineage, right? A genetic lineage of delivering love. I, that reminds me of your draconian heritage, JLo, that we talked about when we did your soul realignment, because the draconians split, right? That some of them took the service to self path and some and went out and dominated, tried to dominate the universe by, you know, destroying planets and so forth. But you belonged to the side that was the service to the whole, right? Recognizing that we were spirit in action, that we were of divineness, that we were here to do works for each other and to support love. So you went off in that direction. So your lineage is what is 
part of the love of spirit, right? So you went in a different direction, consciously choosing the path of the service to the whole um, rather than service to just self, which meant that I could dominate the planet, dominate the galaxies, what have you. So in the spirit of that, let's do a starseed oracle as a card for us for the week ahead. And I love this deck and I don't use it as much anymore. Let's do one of these. So the Starseeds Oracle. And this, let's see, give us some uh, wisdom for moving through the equinox. And the wisdom card is loosen your grip. Coping mechanisms, density, addiction, let God in. This is what that card looks like. All right. So let's look at this card. Loosen your grip. All right. It says, we're cyclic beings and Mother Earth teaches how to be human every day with the coming and going of the tides and the seasons. If you're clinging to anything, you're resisting the natural flow of who you are. The things we cling to are so often those we most need to let go of. The food, the substances, the relationship, the job, the people pleasing. The things we cling to often cover up our most vulnerable space, the part we're most afraid to leave empty, the part we guard and don't let grace into. But by keeping that space covered with something that doesn't serve us or clinging to it for fear of it not staying of its own accord, we prevent ourselves from receiving the things that will. A Course in Miracles tells us whatever we leave empty, grace will fill. And the Buddha said, you can only lose what you cling to. In, indeed, both are true. If this card appears, you're being called to find the courage to loosen your grip and give up control, to release your coping mechanisms and leave space for grace and God to enter, to surrender all that feels dense to the divine. Loosening your grip doesn't mean that what you're clinging to will go away. It may, or it might stay, but you can be sure that what is for you will find you. And you'll breathe easier knowing that you've shifted from relying on your own strength to surrendering to the grace of life. Here's your starseed soul inquiry. What are you clinging to for fear of nothing coming to take its place? Let me say that again. What are you clinging to for fear of nothing coming to take its place? Loosen your grip. Loosen your grip. All right, let's pull an animal card as well. I love the animals. They give us something to anchor, right? So an animal card. Oh, thank you, Tom. Please, if you're watching me on YouTube, click the thumbs up button. Subscribe if you've not yet subscribed. Click on the bell to be notified when I come on to YouTube with either a live broadcast or a video. And if you are on Facebook listening to this, click the like button. Oh my gosh, parrot spirit, watch your words. It, I don't think we have ever gotten this card. I don't know for sure. Uh, it is a card nine. So it is a number of intuition and letting go of something. And parrot spirit, 45. And isn't she beautiful? Look at the color. Let's see if I can get it close. Yeah, she's a pretty one. Uh, Parrot. Parrot says, what are you saying to yourself? What message are you repeating? Is something? Is it something that makes you feel good about yourself and reminds you of your strengths and potential? Parrots mimic the sounds around them. And when parrot spirit appears, it is time to be more mindful of your self-talk and its qualities. What do you say to others? Are you repeating what you truly believe? Remembering to speak with light and love can become a habit. Be generous with compliments and thanks, affirming all that is good so that your loving, healing words will be heard throughout the jungle, cutting through the noise and inspiring others. Listen for the words that remind you of all the strength, abundance, and joy in your life and in the world around you, and then repeat them, affirming what is real, true, and nurturing to the soul. The universe will reflect back to you the story you tell. Words matter, so choose ones that lift you up and inspire others to remember that beauty surrounds us. Mm. 
parrot spirit. Watch your words. That's a good message considering Mercury's retrograde. The uh, fall equinox has the connection with Mercury. So that we'd be good to remind ourselves of that all the time. And then don't forget to loosen your grip. All right. That is it for me today. I will see you all on Friday and take care. Thanks for joining me. Bye for now. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.